thingy, 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 thingy. We're doing a show thingy. Indeed. <laughs> This is 8-Bit, episode 117. The damn level is way bigger, on Sunday, May 3rd, 2015. And now, joke's on them. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker, with guest Andrew Bailey. You know, these these openers never go the way that I uh, think that they're going to. Of course not. I mean, this is what happens after I have a beer and then spontaneity kicks in, because my positions are down. And, and absolutely no food for the entire day, apparently. Not really, no. I had some snacks, but I, I don't think that they, they count as real food. I'm just saying that because I, I hear that, uh, you know, the amount of food in your stomach has an effect on alcohol uh, effects. Yeah. Boy, that I mean, came out really well. That being said, the beer that I had was sipped over about an hour, and I finished it off about half an hour before we finished the show. So basically, you're just weird anyway. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And hungry. Yeah, always, usually, on occasion. So, hello again, Andrew Bailey. Um, for those of you who are new listeners, you may not have heard him uh, before, but Andrew's been on. But I am from show. the Food Show. You are. So, hey, can you like send Ian some food for over the internet? Just kind of beam it to him, and then uh, we're still working on that. We'll get we'll get to you when it's done. I get okay. I guess the oper- uh, the the like alternative is that we just talk about food for the whole time, and then Ian gets really hungry and mad at us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so 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 basically, what you're saying is I just need Bailey's, lots and lots of Bailey's, because Bailey's uh, Bailey and the food show and all that fun stuff. Yeah, never and, mind. That went better in my head. And and there was an observation that pretty much every recipe has a Bailey's in it. <laughs> I mean. They do provide some good flavor. I don't like green food. Montina. No, uh, oh, actually, that's a that's a good one. But no, I was trying to reference uh, the Hobbit because there was one of the the dwarves that said that when they were in the Elven uh, yes. in, at Rivendell. Yeah, but <laughs> no, there, I guess there are a lot of people in the world who don't like green food, which is probably why that line resonated with me. <laughs> Prob, welcome to America. Mm-hmm. Yummy. I mean, I don't always like green food, but I do on occasion. Yeah. So we've introduced to me. Who are you? Well, I'm theoretically. No, that's a lie. (laughs) You can't confuse people like that. Well, you could, but no more alive than the cake is. Um, wait. Let me think about that for a moment. Compiling. Correct. (laughs) Processing. It is no more alive than the cake is, but that's not saying anything. You, you have added no new information to the world, Ian. And you're wrong. It is saying something. It just might not necessarily be relevant. Re- what? Yeah. Actually, it is relevant. It's just So to set everything straight, I'm Ian Buck. <laughs> no, I'm Ian Buck. No, you're not. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm the real Slim Shady. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm standing up now. It is a really good thing that we're not streaming to Twitch, I guess. <laughs> we would have lost all of our viewers right there. Or we or we would have gotten all of them. <laughs> I mean, if they're turned on by the sight of a big dummy, then... Uh, wait, okay. wait did, didn't they uh, make that against the rules? Yes, yeah. they did. Which is why we bring up Twitch whenever any either of us are shirtless. Speaking of which, Buck, why aren't you shirtless right now? Because uh, I'm not running, and it's... I mean, wait, you can't even see me. 
How do you know I'm shirtless or not? <laughs> <laughs> I have my webcam turned up. You don't know. We have metal connections. Mm. If I focus hard enough. For real though, for real. I want to tell you about my weekend. Because okay. it was like, it was the best nerdy weekend that I have ever had. Um, okay. Like everything, the, the stars aligned perfectly for everything that I wanted to do to happen on the same weekend. So first off, the Avengers Age of Ultron came out on uh, Friday, and luckily enough, the Morris Theater decided that they wanted to have, uh, you know, a, a premiere showing of it on Thursday evening. Um, so I went to see that at 10 p.m. Then the next day, there was the Welcome to Night Vale live show in Minneapolis. So we drove down there to watch that. It was awesome. I'll tell you about it in a moment. Um, oh, then the following day, Saturday was free comic book day so of course went up to the source comics and games in uh in rosedale to get some some uh free comic books from them and i was also specifically looking for a particular star wars comic that was published by dark horse way back in the day and is still part of official canon but isn't like isn't available online anywhere digitally dark horse dark horse dark horse so yeah, I was I was specifically looking for that at the store. Um but yeah, it was just like all over the place. Just got to do all of the geeky things. It was awesome. Nerd. I love and geeky things. I'm proud of dude, I I specifically like chose my shirts for this weekend to be the geekiest ones that I possibly could because I knew that I was going to be around a bunch of people who would appreciate them more than average. <laughs> I can appreciate that. So, like, while we were at uh, the source, uh, I heard a few people going, why is he wearing a red shirt? He's going to die. <laughs> yep. Joke's on them. Maybe maybe I'm just not too attached to my life here on Earth. I don't know. Joke's on them. He's already dead. <laughs> Joke's on them. He's not wearing a shirt. I just I just have the uh, the Star Trek insignia tattooed on my red body. And you are really sunburned. Really, really sunburned. <laughs> um, but so, do do either of you listen to the Welcome to Night Vale podcast? No. That's one that I'm actually considering listening to, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, you do, like, everybody should at least check out Welcome to Night Vale, uh, because it is one of the most unique uh, podcasts that you'll ever listen to. So unlike unlike a lot of podcasts that are like these weekly just kind of like you know a bunch of people talking to each other uh about whatever subject um it's a it's modeled after like a community radio program in a fictional town uh called night vale that's in the middle of the desert and the town itself is you know there's like a lot of supernatural stuff that happens there it's all kind of magical realism except taken to like the extreme and uh and of course all of this stuff is like you know, just commonplace occurrences in that town. And so the the community radio host is talking about all of the news from this town, but in this kind of like monotone, like everything's just, you know, everything's fine. Nothing, you know, nothing's a big deal kind of kind of voice. And it's really, really good. They have they have some really strong characters. Um, I've become quite attached to some of them. And and so when I found out that they were going to have another uh, live show tour and that Minneapolis was one of their stops, I was like, oh, I got to get tickets to that immediately. Um, and 
I thought that it was really, really good, the, the live show. So the, the live shows that they do are always kind of like these side story things. They don't really have much of a, an impact on the on the greater story of the podcast because if they did that, then people who didn't have an opportunity to go to the live show would be completely lost, and that wouldn't be good. Um, but so the, the story that they were doing in the live show was that there had been a murder in town, and so the secret police held a mandatory mystery dinner theater to determine the identity of the murderer. But of course uh, the police are completely inept. And so they weren't able to find the the identity of the murderer and the murderer just kept murdering people at the mystery dinner theater. Hmm. And so, uh, so Cecil, the, the community radio host is, you know, still in his studio police were like well we heard you you know on on air while the murder was going on so you can't be the murderer so you you just stay where you are and you know we'll send you updates so that you can um broadcast on the radio to all the people who are now in the same room now (laughs) and uh so basically us the audience at the live show became the townspeople at this mystery dinner theater and he kept narrating how they were like you know these two strangers in the crowd who you know looked at each other suspiciously and then you you know I looked around at some of the strangers around me and like looked at them suspiciously. And, you know, he was like, and, and then two of them locked on to each other and made eye contact, you know? And so uh, over the course of the evening, that one person that you kind of partnered up with in the crowd became like, you know, initially you were suspicious of each other. Uh, but then eventually, you know, when you realize there were more murders happening, happening, but you'd been watching this person the whole time, they couldn't be the murderer. So then you kind of team up with them to try and solve the murder and uh it was it was a really good time and uh, like believe it or not so so the the guy who i was sitting next to who i ended up partnering up with you know we were both like really awkward and just kind of like you know only looked at each other when like cecil told us specifically to look at each other because it's weird like looking at the person next to you during a live show um and at the end you know i was like you know it was a, it was a pleasure investigating with you and then we went our separate ways lo and behold the next day at the source for free comic book day, I ran into him again. <laughs> and I was just like, investigating buddy! And he was like, oh, hi. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't a surprise at all, like, seeing him at, at, at a comic book store. Um, but it was, it was still, it was just like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> the Adventures of Buck. Yeah, like Buck? I said, man. It was a really cool weekend. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, good for you. Mm-hmm. Any, anybody else do anything interesting over the weekend? I mean, I had my final band concert with college band last night. Eh, that's like nothing. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that the emotions were quite at the surface. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. We, had, um, we actually had a couple of guest artists from the... Um, Coast Guard band, come and join us. Besides just being a couple of the nicest people I think I've ever had the opportunity to interact with, um, they were a couple of absolutely incredible musicians as well and all that fun stuff. And I mean, one of the pieces that we did, um, I encourage everyone to go and look it up. It It's it's the flute concerto by a guy by the name of Joel Puckett. It's called um, The Shadow of Sirius. Uh, I mean, it was written... Um, Sort of in memorandum. So there was a time in his life when he and his wife experienced a deep personal loss. And 
So obviously there's a lot of grieving and a lot of hurt that's not really, not something you can really describe that goes on with that. And then he, he found a poem. I don't remember the name of the poem off the top of my head, but he found this poem um, that helped him heal and come to terms with that. And then he wrote this piece based on that poem. Nice. So it, and that was played with the flautist from the U.S. Coast Guard band. And holy crap, is she good? And holy crap, did that thing turn out fantastic. So I didn't even know that the Coast Guard had a band. Mm-hmm. All of the branches of the military have at least a handful of bands. Yeah, I mean, don't they have like their own songs? Yeah, well, I mean, besides just having their own songs, um, they're used sort of, I, I guess you would almost call it court musicians <laughs> in some ways because the minstrels yes um and i mean part of it is is they they go around and do musical service throughout the country and there's i don't know there's a bunch of politics behind it but it's no every single uh branch of the military has their own band uh well their own set of 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 bands and those include everything from like chamber ensembles to like little sax quartets and brass quartets and whatnot to Full-size wind bands and full-size orchestra and full-size jazz bands. So where are they? Where do they usually hang out? Because I can't imagine that the Coast Guard band just is in Minnesota. Nah, East Coast. I figured. Okay. So, oh, and then oh god, I gotta. All I know is I have to survive through next weekend, and I should be okay. Yeah, because you've got uh, that thing that I can't go to because I have commencement. Yeah, my senior recital. That one. Which I, I'm terrified for. I'm also really proud of the posters that I made for it. Um, is, is that the same as the Facebook event picture? One of them is. That's one of them. So the the one that he's that Buck is talking about has me um, in grayscale against a black background, where it's just my head and my hands. And then in my hands, I'm holding two reeds. One of which is colored red, and the other one is colored blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you guys get that reference. Uh, speaking of, uh, so how goes the midterms? <laughs> what? Oh, I just took a look at it again. Oh my god, yes. I get it. I'm confused. When when you first described the uh the poster, I didn't realize that the reeds are shaped like pills and that they look like pills. Very nice. Matrix. Yes. And then the other one um has me sitting out 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 in the arboretum. Um and I have both my my berry sacks and the school's berry sacks in my lap as well as I'm holding on to a stick. So tell me when you get the joke. It might be a while. It might be a while. I, I'm, you know, I, I have a really hard time visualizing things in my head when they're described to me. Okay. So I'll just have to well, see it. Why don't we move on and I'll share that with you on Google Drive because that's where cool. I have it saved. So when you say posters, did, did you actually have these printed off and like put around, uh, around campus kind of thing? Yep. Are they, are they like nice print offs like from duplicating services or, or are they just uh, on eight and a half by 11s? I, I could have had them on nice stuff, but I, I just went by eight and a half and 11s just because okay. I mean, they're... Because if you had done like nice print-offs, then I would say keep at least one copy of each of those so that we, we can put them up like in the house. All right. There we go. Sent it to you. Cool. Um, and I mean, I could very easily get them printed off. So. Right. As long as it's not too expensive. Yeah. As long as it's not too expensive. Yeah. However, in the meantime, what do you say we go to headlines? Sure. Sure. So if you guys want to hear any or go and check out any of the headlines that we're talking about, you can go to the link for this particular show, and that's the nexus.tv slash EB117 or 117. 
So yeah, go give it a go check it out if it sounds like fun to you. So first up is a tale of woe. Um and not like whoa man, but like woe is me. Um so Ouya Ouya is trying to sell itself uh because it can't resolve its debt, apparently. Uh this is kind of unfortunate because they were like the you know the biggest Kickstarter of their time, uh, and initially seemed like they were going to be successful. But as it turns out, their hardware kind of sucked, and it's not fun to use their console. So they're going under. Uh, insert uh, despair about Tegra. <laughs> well, yeah, that was yeah the Tegra three. I mean the Tegra. Uh, wait, no. Tegra three. I heard was actually kind of good. But not the Nexus Seven. <laughs> um, I'm wait. I'm trying to remember what which processor exactly is in the Nvidia Shield tablet. I think that's got to be the Tegra K1. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm quite happy with that one. But of course, I've only had that for three months, and I was still quite happy with my Nexus Seven three months in. So we'll see. We shall see. <sighs> However, an- uh, another thing that's kind of cool, um, tech-wise, that's coming out is. Um, Let's see who's who's making this. I think it might be. No, it's not. It's made. I think it's, made, no, I think it's just Arduino powered. I think this group, uh, like this, this thing, is the only thing that they do. Okay. Um, it might be Intel actually looking at it because it looks like that. It, well, it, it, was... it seems like it got started by Intel. Yeah, yeah. this concept. Um, but it is essentially anti-cheating hardware. So. This would be used mainly for like big game tournaments and LAN tournaments and whatnot, where you would plug this into your mouse and then, um, so you're sorry, you would plug your mouse into this and then this this box into your computer and then your computer would be able to recognize when, um, when you're you're actually shooting or doing things, um, and when that's done through an internal program versus when it's being done manually. So like for aimbots or um. I don't remember what they're called, but they're essentially they're, they're programs that make it so that whenever your crosshairs find an enemy, you pull the trigger or pulls the trigger for you. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know. It, it works to go and, and find those discrepancies, those inconsistencies between what's happening in the game and what's happening hardware-wise to go and find cheaters. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool, personally. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, of course it, it doesn't uh it doesn't cover things like having uh, a frictionless scroll wheel and then setting that as like, you know, your the your trigger kind of things to empty a semi-automatic weapon like all at once kind of thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, oh, I, gosh, I haven't even thought of doing that. <laughs> um I swear I've never done that. I've never actually owned a mouse with a frictionless scroll wheel, but mm. I've heard that that's a thing. You know, yeah. Yeah, like some some mice that I've come across, you know, it seems that the scroll wheel is just like kind of locked in place, and whenever you move it, you actually feel something grind inside. Yeah. <laughs> like if, uh, like if you're working next to someone with one of those, you want to kill something. I mean, only if it's loud. Oh yeah, it's definitely loud, grindy. That sounds worse than trying to like nap in a room with a mechanical keyboard. I mean, you've napped in a room with me sleeping as well. You should be able to do that just fine. 
like well, I mean, snoring is kind of a regular, regular thing, you know. Whereas, like, um, for example, Declan typing on a mechanical keyboard is kind of intermittent, and so, so sometimes he doesn't type for a while, and then I like almost fall asleep, and then the typing starts again. And so, oh, I'm awake again. Mm. This has never happened to me. I'm not salty about it at all. <laughs> Earplugs. <laughs> so, five. Well, the problem with those is that. I'm prone to uh, ear ear infections, so if oh. I stick stuff in my ears too often, then my earwax gets all built up, and yeah, um, bad news. Plus, you can't really hear the alarm clock when you have that in. I've actually weirdly trained myself to wake up whenever I like, you know, when whenever I can just even barely hear my alarm, which is really nice because then I don't have to have a loud blaring alarm that's going to uh, annoy everybody. That's true. So, Five Nights at Freddy's 4 will be a thing coming out, of course, on Halloween. Um, Supposedly, this will be the final game in the series. And I'm kind of amazed, actually, because uh, the first, mm, excuse me, the first game came out less than a year ago. And, you know, he's already got three games out and, uh, and a movie deal. And now a fourth one's on the way. And I'm not, I'm not just surprised that he's been able to make this many games because i mean you know they're they're mostly made of like static images and whatnot so not too difficult to make but that the that the hype has been you know sustained enough that people keep buying the games yeah epic episodic content Mm -hmm. kind of yeah god that that picture is freaky (laughs) uh everything about these games is kind of freaky yeah that's true but I mean that picture in particular. So it's it's the beat up animatronic bear. So we had the animatronic bear before, but now this one's just like beat up and tattered, and you can see a lot of the mechanical workings underneath it. And did you notice so, that it has mouths all over its body? Well, it's not just mouths; it has mini bears. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the upper halves of mini bears popping up and out, like giant well mini mini demons. God, that looks terrifying. Oh no! I just noticed that. It, <laughs> The email that he provides for for people who need help is fazbearhelp at yahoo dot com. Really, yep. <laughs> really, really, for realsies. Bailey, do you have any interesting kickstarters that you've been? Well, since you've asked, uh, let's you know, uh, let's steal a uh, a feature from another podcast and have a Kickstarter of the week. Why not? We have no scruples around here. We love stealing from other shows. Yeah. So, uh, have have any of you ever played uh, Banjo Kazooie? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I've I'm more familiar with uh, Donkey Kong actually, but uh, so the com- the company behind that Rare uh, got bought up by Microsoft a, l- a little while ago. And, you know, they seem to be, you know, doing less than exciting things. So some of the people from there decided to, you know, go indie. And now they have a project on Kickstarter called Ukulele. Oh, I get it. Like the instrument. Yeah. So this is, you know, essentially a platformer like Banjo-Kazooie. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those, you know, very brightly cartoony uh, 3D platformers. Hmm. It's very colorful. Yes. Yes. Uh, too bad we don't have video on this uh, podcast anyway. But uh, yeah, from the uh, previews, it's uh, you know gameplay is mostly collection and combat. 
So, you know, it's it's as close as you can get to a spiritual successor to those two games. Uh, and, you know, since since the uh, cycle of, you know, game development on the big scale kind of encourages spiritual successors, these are kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I've, I didn't even realize that Rare actually still existed as a company. Yeah, I remember that Connect uh, Sports, I think, for Xbox One. Um, okay. That was or like Rare Sports Rival, I think. Uh, yeah, apparently Rare made that. Okay. Hmm. Um, and I believe IGN has an interview with a few of, few of the guys behind this. Apparently there's only like six. And uh, so... Uh, like they're asking one of the guys and it's like yeah the last game I was working on at Rare was the uh, Connect Sports Rivals and just describing the soul dredging work of you know just like creating assets and passing them on and like nothing really exciting Uh, but what is exciting is that uh, you know since of course since this is uh, like over in Britain that uh, this isn't this Kickstarter is in pounds uh, but they've almost gotten $2 million from this. And they blew through their uh, Kickstarter goal within the first day. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Now, significantly less awesome is the fact that Steam's paid mods lasted less than a weekend before Valve removed uh, removed the whole system entirely in response to the negative response from the community. Yeah, so all the news about Steam having you know, paid mods is kind of obsolete now. Well, except for all of the, you know, things that existed as mods, but are sold, uh, you know, in the storefront as full games, sorts of things like Gary's mod. And, you know, well, those are sort of legit games, right? But I mean, what's the, you know, how, how do we separate you know the the stuff that that every you know the the phrase that's been being thrown around is you know that that all mods should be free that you know they, it should just be a hobby you know there there shouldn't ever be mods that are sold uh, for money but you know they they don't seem to have a problem when the when the mod is presented as like uh you know a a thing that you purchase through the store but still requires, you know, you to own the base game kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it seems like it's, it seems like we're not defining the, the, the difference very well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, this whole issue has created more opinion pieces than I've ever seen before on any given subject. Hmm. Just to confuse you, my friend. So, I mean, like having a tip jar on like a uh, modding website is kind of like a no-brainer. Right, yeah. Everybody should have a Patreon these days, right? <laughs> well, except, except for uh, people who do podcasts like these. I don't see why we couldn't have one. I suppose, yeah, we Food. could if we really wanted to. Food for thought. Well, except you're probably the podcasts would have to be much better. Yeah, well... I mean that's that's just uh, economics. Then you know we we won't make very much money. People won't donate to us if we're not making good things. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, but if we, economics if we, they if suck. We, if we can con our parents into just you know giving us like twenty bucks a month, yeah, it seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. 
Hi, Mom. <laughs> Let's not say we did. Okay. All right. Well, how, how about can can I turn our attention to something cool and fun sure. instead? Something something sure. something happy. Well, I, I suppose us getting money is kind of happy, but um. <clears throat> so EA, and and this is actually kind of impressive considering that what we know of EA has actually announced something for free. Whoa, whoa! And not only is it for free, but it's also something for free that is from a recent game. Whoa! Um, so it's not so, like one of their twenty-year-old on the house games. No. Yeah. This is this pertains to Dragon Age Inquisition. So for the multiplayer, um, here let me read what they have on their website. So claim your place among the Dragon Slayers of Legend. We are excited to announce the release of our latest multiplayer expansion, Dragon Age Inquisition, Dragon Slayer. Available Tuesday, May 5th on PC, PS4, Xbox One, PS3, and Xbox 360 at no additional cost. So was there, was there multiplayer in the game already? I think so. Because I, I don't remember hearing anything about that at all. I don't know. They're... I guess I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, but I also haven't really played... Uh, like, it's not something that you went looking for when you were playing Dragon Age Inquisition. No, because I, I was playing it for the single-player storyline yeah. campaign. And, I mean, it looks pretty cool because, I mean, you're, you're, you're going up against a bunch of dragons. And there's actually... It, so it looks like you actually have different playable characters that you go through and play for the multiplayer thing. Um, cause they, it like also, co-op? yeah. Okay. It's co-op killing dragons. And this one in particular, you get, um, it also comes with three characters that are playable. So the, the fierce Avar warrior from the follow wire known as Skywatcher, So big tanky warrior type, um, zither the virtuoso. Um, so this was a character that was supposedly announced on April fool's day. But wasn't actually an April Fool's. They were putting him in the production, and he he's a music based character. It's interesting. And then Isabella, Raider Queen of the Eastern Seas. Um, so she was actually a character from Dragon Age Two. Okay. So either way, free things enhance your gameplay from EA. It's kind of cool that EA is actually doing nice things. So I think I just realized that like most of the most of the headlines that I chose are kind of downers. And I apologize for that, but that's my job. <laughs> so I'm I'm really trying to figure out like what the heck is going on over at Konami because you know like last month we had the issue of them uh, removing Kojima's name from the Metal Gear Solid Five uh, website, but of course you know they were like, don't worry, don't worry, he's still part of the project. Uh, but then they canceled Silent Hills, the you know the one that was um, that also had. Guillermo del Toro and uh, Norman Reedus uh, in, you know, working on it. And now they've removed themselves. So the company of Konami is no longer available on the New York Stock Exchange. Which um, sounds which sounds kind of serious, but it's more like just corporation doing corporation things. Right. Yeah. And, and they, they say that they're doing that, uh, you know, for like two because it costs money to like be in the New York Stock Exchange, yeah, and they can still be traded, just not in that venue anymore. Um, yeah, like you, like apparently much most of their activity happens in Tokyo. So 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you want to buy stock in them, you can go to Japan and do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I think they're still like available in the London. Yeah. But market. even, even then, like still 99% of it happens in uh, Japan anyway. So yeah. far as I've heard anyway, still makes me wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Konami, you know, appears to be circling the drain, but uh, yeah, this, at least this appears to be, uh, you know, more like corporations doing boring corporation things. But uh, let's jump over to uh, another corporation like Microsoft. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Every, uh, like a lot of people like Windows, but not necessarily Microsoft. But uh, uh, so Microsoft just had this build conference uh, just this past weekend. And just based on the things that they were talking about, I'm not sure if it was, you know, actually Microsoft there doing it. <laughs> uh, but that's neither here nor there. And we'll probably be on the next episode of Control Structure. Uh, but uh, it, well, it is the, a developer conference after all. Yes. Uh, so uh, um, I forget what exactly uh, like the, uh, how should I say, the uh, conference or uh you know, press conference was there specifically that this happened, but they showed off a very pretty preview of Final Fantasy 15 uh, running on like four Titan X GPUs. So like they basically showed this off for uh, all the DirectX 12 uh, graphical features and fidelity, which, you know, everything looks pretty smooth. But then again, for some reason, this is only a 720p video on YouTube. I have a feeling that like the original version that they were rendering uh, was significantly higher than that. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that being said, I still, I can't tell the difference at this point between that and real life. I mean, yes, it's kind of hard to say that when it's just, um, I mean, if, if, if it's like actually in front of you live, you could probably pick out something, but Yeah. yeah, the uh, artifacts of video compression cover up the multitude of sins. So now I've always had trouble differentiating the, uh, you know, real life from star Wars and uh, oh, just no. in time for May the 4th, which is of course, you know, international star Wars day. Uh, the classic X-Wing and TIE fighter games from the late nineties have appeared on steam. Uh, so they, initially were made available on good old games um digitally and now they've made their way over to steam and uh actually i think both both storefronts are having like massive star wars sales right now so if you want to check out those games they are there for your perusal but none of them are in you know canon anymore so it doesn't matter at this point you can pretty much assume that nothing else is in canon except the movies no 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 I know exactly what's in canon. Well, yeah, but to us, uh, how should I say, plebs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me just put uh, put this link here for you. Where, where, where are we? There we are. Here is a list that is always kept up to date of the uh, media that is in canon for Star Wars. Yeah. So basically, it's the movies, um, the television shows, the so the Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, Oh my gosh, this is insane. All, all of the um all of the novels and comic books that have been published from 2014 onwards and uh that's pretty much it. Hmm. 
And you can you can ignore like all of the children's books and junior novels and stuff like that that they stick in there because those are usually just like recreations of an existing work um, for younger audiences. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of that, actually, there's a new uh, Star Wars novel that just came out that I'm just started reading and have you know gotten like three pages into because been busy consuming other things. Nerd. Uh-huh. Nerd. Nerd. Wait, were we gonna get rid of this one? Which one? The next one. But that's funny. How did that stay in there? I hope I didn't get rid of something important instead. <laughs> well, we'll probably forget. Um, so this war of mine got some significant new features in its latest update, including a scenario editor. So the scenario editor allows players to create their own story or challenge or whatever. Um, and the coolest part to me is the character creator, which allows you to, you know, like in addition to choosing the the character's model and, and giving them a new name and stuff, you can also import your own photos to the game so that, you know, you can like have yourself and your friends uh, trying to survive in, in a war-torn city. Sounds uh, cheerful. Hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, war? No, that's never a good thing to say, no. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, maybe? Give yourself I... some, some uh, emotionally draining playthroughs joy <laughs> just what i always wanted uh, let's uh go ahead and bring our spirits up a little bit and talk about just pc gaming in general so in in light of all this you know exciting stuff happening on pc you know like all these kickstarters all of this you know uh space simulators and stuff uh there's uh you know uh so pc gamer the magazine has decided to uh, hold a press conference just about PC gaming because apparently no one else is doing that. Uh, so, you know, Microsoft is all focused on Xbox and no one else really cares that much about PC games. I mean, Valve could, I suppose. Yeah. But as we know, Valve is terrible at communication. Yes, very. And, uh, you know, they, they run Steam, so they're, you know, pretty pretty much, you know, content as it is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, PC Gamer will be holding a uh, PC game press conference at E3, along with some help from AMD, uh, Square Enix, Obsidian, Paradox, uh, Tripwire, Cloud Imperium, Blizzard, and like a lot more people like that. So, uh, in fact, you know, PC Gamer magazine has been doing these uh, PC game, uh, you know, press conferences for a while. Uh, they've been doing that, doing them at several of the PAX shows, and apparently they also did one at last E3 too. So, yay consistency! I get, uh, yeah. Since they said that this is like the first, the first one of this type, I'm trying to figure out what exactly was different about last year's that that me- makes it not count. You know, um, I think that uh, the last time it was mostly a panel, if I remember correctly. Oh, sure. Yeah, but this one's like a proper... Um, or maybe I was thinking about uh, that was one of the PAX ones. Yeah, PC Gamer has done plenty of panels throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it, it's really funny that they call this, this upcoming one the PC Gaming Show because they also have like their weekly or bi-weekly video uh, series called the PC Gamer Show. <laughs> and so I was initially Gamer versus really, gaming. I was really confused initially. 
Yeah. And uh, let's see, it was maybe two weeks ago. I'm wondering, it's like, well, they said it'll be here every Friday. Where is it? Mm-hmm. But it must be uh, every other Friday then. Yeah, I think so. Um, so back to the uh, the Microsoft Build Conference. Um, one of the one of the big things, uh, hardware wise, that they've been talking about is Hololens. Uh, it's their you know new augmented reality platform where you uh, are, we're just going to live our lives with a helmet on our heads and and then. Uh, whatever stuff we want to see will appear around us. So like, you know, you have a, a video playing and you pin it to the wall, but then, you know, if you want to go to another room, don't worry, the, the video will follow you to whatever room you move to kind of thing. Um, and so Unity, the game engine, will fully support HoloLens. Um, and I believe that this means that, like, in the in the unity editor kind of thing you'll be able to like visualize the stuff that you're making as a hologram um as you're making them i'm not sure if i i i assume that unity also will be available as like a or that the hololens will also be a platform that you can publish unity stuff to um so that you can distribute that to people who own hololenses i think but it definitely seems like the HoloLens is is appropriate as a creation tool for Unity projects. Definitely, I mean they seem to support pretty much everything else. So, mm-hmm. I mean this would just be another platform. Pretty like, mm, I mean, I, I'm assuming that the HoloLens would need some other kind of computational device in order to work, right? Uh, no the the the. The stuff that Microsoft's been saying about HoloLens is that it's going to be a completely self-contained device, doesn't need any processing from like an external computer or anything. Right. Okay. Which is which is pretty darn um what would you call it? It's it's out there awesome. as, as an idea. Yeah, it's uh ambitious. That's the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> How do I English? Well, this next thing that I'm gonna talk about isn't really as ambitious, but still still kinda coming up there. It it looks Scary beyond our reason. So, Phantasmal City of Darkness is a game that has just been released on early access. It's probably going to be there for the next like three to six months or so. But the thing that makes it, in some ways, scary just is that it is a procedurally generated horror game. Okay. So it's never the same experience twice. So even if you go through and play it again, you're never really going to know what's coming around the corner. Um, it borrow or it borrows some similar uh, mechanics from Amnesia: The Dark Descent in that you have both physical health as well as an insanity <laughs> level that you have to keep down. <clears throat> um, and I mean, a lot of that apparently just comes from avoiding encounters, which again, similar to similar to Amnesia. However, you can fight back a little bit, um, but still, it, it'll be best to avoid to avoid encounters as much as humanly possible. I don't know. Looks scary. Looks good. Yeah. And yeah, actually horror games, definitely uh, a genre that would fit with procedurally generated content quite well. Mm-hmm. So we've had uh, Valve anti-cheating for quite a while. Uh, actually, as long as I can remember. Um, and that's the the sort of automated thing that will detect if you're if you're cheating in a particular game, and then will uh, ban you um, 
some you know for like it will ban your steam account um for a certain period of time right and for the most part like valve created games are the only ones that run valve anti-cheat there are a handful of others um but for the most part it's just valve games and so valve is now allowing game developers to ban steam users uh when when those developers detect them cheating on a game by game basis, right? So um, let's say you're playing uh, minimal. I you know I don't know if they're actually going to implement something like this, but so you're playing minimal and uh, or minimum or whatever that game was called, and and they catch you cheating. Um, they then contact Valve and say, okay, ban this Steam user from from playing minimum, and Valve will ban you. Uh, but you, it doesn't affect like your standing in any other games. Um, so it's just kind of allowing, you know, anti-cheating to be in the hands of, of individual game developers, but, uh, but in a way that still kind of ties it back to your Steam account because many, many of these uh, games that, that, you know, are distributed through Valve these days that have a multiplayer aspect utilize your Steam account to authenticate you and you know identify you in the game. Cool. That'll be good. I hate cheaters. So speaking about something that's sort of like Valve, um, I remember one of the times I was on this very podcast and I was talking about Black Mesa Source. Now that's a mod that I would pay money for. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm not exactly sure if they will be charging for it, but as it stands right now, it is a free mod that uh, tries to port Half-Life 1 into the Source engine, like actually taking advantage of all the, you know, uh, Source engine goodies that, you know, it has, and uh, not like the uh, official uh, Half-Life 1 port that's essentially like the same assets and everything. Yeah, that went over Uh, great in the community, I hear. Yeah, um, I've actually played through that one, and yeah, it looks like poop smeared or origami everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I played through that, uh, like, immediately before uh, Black Mesa Source came out, and this mod has been going on pretty much since Half-Life 2 came out. Uh, so uh, they have uh, put a countdown timer on their website, uh, which, you know, I discovered that, you know, there's essentially like a TV uh, at the top of this page and you have to click through it and it'll show a countdown timer that uh, appears to end sometime on May 5th. Yep. So it, it might be that they're actually done with the whole thing because their initial release did not include the Zen levels at the end. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's like the last one two or three chapters it's yeah i mean it's kind of the ending section of the game yeah i mean either way it's one that i need to download and play through and if 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 it'll be complete at this point that'd be fantastic yeah uh, you can go ahead and uh you know do it right now so you know less less to play through so the uh, uh the thing that I'm most excited for, actually, with the Black Mesa Source mod is that um, not only are they updating the visuals and stuff, but they've also kind of gotten rid of some of like the levels that were just awful, like the uh, the on a rail um, 
chapter from the game, I think they just kind of omit that because that was a that well, was it's, a struggle. It's, it's still there, but I kind of like that one. Um, but then the dam level is way bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the just one of my biggest complaints about the original Black May or original Half Life. I mean, um, is you know that the the a lot of the level designs um, are just obscure and hard to hard to navigate from a modern gamer's perspective i mean yeah valve is pretty much the only company that wants you to jump and crouch at the same time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah so basically once once black mesa source is completed um i'll i'll recommend people who are just getting into the series to start with that instead of starting with half-life one um because as it is like I, I just recommend that people skip over Half-Life 1 and start with Half-Life 2, just kind of like read a synopsis of what happened in Half-Life 1. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't even finished Half-Life 1. Yeah. Believe it or not. So, and also my review of it so far. <clears throat> Very nice. So everything's coming up Steam this week, apparently, as with all weeks. Um, they had kind of a snafu with their currency conversion uh, on the Steam community market. So for a little while, the Indonesian rupiah was listed as having equal value to uh, United States dollars, at, which is, you know, quite different from real life, where it takes like 13,000 rupias to make a dollar normally. Um, so basically what was happening was users in Indonesia were seeing prices that were just like, you know, nothing. So they would see like uh, a a... Uh, a trading card that was usually worth like 13 cents was listed as 0.13 rupiah, which is, you know, like it, that's not even a, 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 an amount of money, right? It, it's, it's negligible. Uh, so they, people were able to just like buy up tons and tons of items without spending any money at all. And um, the, the converse of this is that there were, you know, people like any any items that were listed by users in Indonesia, everybody else in the world was seeing them as being exorbitantly expensive. You know, so like a a a, a skin from CS:GO that's normally like three hundred dollars or something was listed as like several million dollars. I mean, still the fact remains that skins from CS:GO are that expensive, and that is, in my opinion, absolutely disgustingly stupid. Right. Okay. Well, there, there. I mean, any any item would be way more expensive than usual. You know. Yeah. Um. So so basically, once Valve discovered that error, they uh, kind of rolled back all of the purchases that had been made between uh you know between users who are using rupias and users who are using other currencies, um, and have you know been kind of refunding people and. You, putting stuff back to the way it was before (laughs) (laughs) fixed it guys which is kind of nice because you know it's it's a a digital only marketplace so they can actually do something like that (laughs) yeah i mean yeah some of these skins i'm looking at i'm actually looking at the skins that i have for csgo and my most expensive ones i've gotten through cases just because i refuse to go and buy them um and my my most expensive skin is a little less than eight dollars but i mean think about it that's good that's eight dollars for a cosmetic thing. Yeah, man, you could sell that and like buy a bunch of trading cards. Um, no, thank you. And I mean, I've got some other ones. Second, 
most expensive one is one from the newest case that's like six bucks. But oh, I know, you could sell it and buy one of the X-wing or Tie Fighter games because those are on sale right now and they're about eight dollars. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at some of them right now on just the, the standard, some of the standard guns. One of the one that one of the ones that pops up is it um, just shy of sixty bucks. Okay, I needed. I'm curious as to now what the so the knife skins are always the the knife skins are always oh worth the most yeah okay I'll just search all the skins price up at the top it is an M9 bayonet scorched <clears throat> it is listed currently at mm, four hundred and thirty two dollars and fifty eight cents there you go pocket change God. I just. I can't understand why why anyone would ever pay this much for a single skin. I mean, if I get a knife skin in a case, I don't. I honestly can't tell if I'm gonna be. Uh, I don't know if I would want to um, sell it or just keep it. So, just because an item is listed at four hundred dollars or whatever, that doesn't mean that anybody has necessarily bought it at that price. Correct. You know. Um, that's what the, uh, the purchase history is for, but you know. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of them, but still the knife, knife skins are like disgustingly expensive. So speaking of Counter-Strike Go. Yeah. Speaking of CSGO, um, there's actually a new, um, sort of a new league that's, that's coming up, or at least a new tournament that's coming up that's being sponsored by both the ESL and the ESEA. So that's both. Um, the American Esports League, as well as the European Esports League, essentially. So it's they they've teamed up to form the Pro League, um, and they are they are putting together the biggest or what is called or being known as the biggest Counter Strike or CS:GO tournament in the history of the game. Gosh, I cannot talk. Easy for you to say. <clears throat> um, and I mean it's it's a one million dollar prize pool, so it's not super big, but at the same time. That's more than I think I've ever made. Oh, definitely more than I've ever made playing video <laughs> I mean, I remember just a couple of years ago when the first uh, Dota 2 International Tournament was announced, and, and uh, I believe that the prize pool was, you know, a million dollars, and everybody was, like, freaking out about that because that was way more money than had ever been offered in uh, an eSports tournament before. Yeah. Let's see. And then... <clears throat> So I mean, there, there, there's still going to be a little bit of um, separation between Europe and America, though. Uh, so the, the the NA lineup has not yet been announced, but the the European division um, they have released that roster, and it, it it does include some of my favorite teams, like Nip, which is short for Ninjas in Pajamas. And do they have like a sister team called Tuck? No, that'd be funny. Oh, gosh. But I don't know. There's, it's looking cool, and it's becoming a global global thing as opposed to just regional thing. Did you mention when that tournament was going to happen? Um, I did not. I don't know if the date has been announced yet. Let's see. Um, I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes open. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Pro League action will begin on May fourth. Oh, so really, really soon. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like tomorrow. Like, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, uh, it's probably already started. Yep. Oh, hey, look, the NA teams have been 
<laughs> Sorry, at the time of the, the article that I was looking at, they had not been released yet, but they're up now. So that's like CLG and Cloud9 are going to be up there. Liquid, which are all fairly well-known um, from fairly well-known um, teams. Fanatics up there. Dig is up there. Um, as I said, Nip, love Nip. TSM. So it's it's sort of a worldwide who's who of CS:GO. So cool. if that sounds interesting to you at all, go and give it a look. And it looks like, oh gosh, so week one. Oh wait, there's there's different weeks. Oh gosh. Um. Oh, from May third through May tenth. It's going until late June, like the very end of June. Well, we're going to be missing most of this, I guess. Yeah. The very last day, it looks like, is on the 28th of June. So it's going to be a big free-for-all of CSGO. Cool. Cool. So in Grand Theft Auto V, um, you know, your characters have a cell phone that you can do various things with. Uh, and uh, somebody decided that they wanted to see if they could actually make an app for their phone in real life that could control the in-game phone. And, uh, of course, they could do that. We wouldn't be talking about it if somebody just failed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I found a, a video of this person demonstrating the uses of this in-game cell phone on their real phone. It's pretty cool because uh, the, the actual app just kind of imitates the uh, the interface of the in-game phone. And then whenever you, like, hit a button, it uh, sends, I believe it just sends a URL to uh, an Arduino that they have running on um, as as a server, and then that just kind of sends the key binding shortcut to the game hmm. of the action that they want to do. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Ah, oh, I get I get something that's that's kind of offsetting to some of your your nasty stuff. So <laughs> Ubisoft. Um, so the guys that make the Far Cry games, and we we you play and. So they do get some crap for stuff like Uplay and what's been going on with some of the, the, the Ass Creed series. Um, but the Far Cry dev teams in, in particular are doing some really cool things. So do you remember that there was that huge earthquake off in Nepal? Yeah, I thought you said this wasn't going to be a downer. It is and it isn't. <laughs> because it relates to the, the earthquake in Nepal, but it, it relates in the sense that Ubisoft has pledged um, that they will match the first $100,000 in donations to sending relief off in Nepal. Through, what, the Red Cross or something? Yeah. Yeah. Through the Canadian Red Cross. Well, I guess that makes sense because they have their offices in, yeah, Canada. But still. So, yeah, it's there's nasty things happening, but here's a little hope. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if the fact that their game is set in the Himalayas has anything to do with this. Somebody actually asked about that on their <laughs> on their Twitter feed because that's where, in part, they made the um, the announcement. The announcement. Yeah. Was there a response to that question? Nope. Oh, okay. Let's see. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, yes, there was. So someone asked, is it like you are returning the favor because Far Cry 4 is based in the Himalayas? And he said, or Ubisoft replied saying, exactly. The team in the game were heavily, or was heavily inspired by Nepal and its people, and they're keen to help. Cool. So do you remember last school year when I decided to 
try to take uh, The Walking Dead and kind of like serialize it into um, a show uh, and just kind of include the important story bits and kind of, you know, cut out most of like the boring puzzle stuff so that people who don't have time or, or, you know, who are averse to playing games um, could, you know, experience the awesome story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you still doing that? No, I, it, it was a, a heck of a lot of work and, you know, nobody was like watching the thing. So, um, you know, I, I basically stopped doing that. And um, I mean, it, it was a really fun idea. Um, and, and I would totally do it if I had more time, but it was basically either that or this podcast. Um, so somebody else uh, has been doing the same thing with um, The Last of Us. And it sounds like they were actually putting way, way more work into it than I was because they, you know, would like do many, many playthroughs of the game and get the best footage that they could out of out of each uh, scene. Um, and the other the other difference is that, you know, they've been interviewed by The Verge. So a lot of people know about their project now. Um, so I'm sure that they're getting lots and lots of views. Hmm. Um and I'm sure I, you know, I wasn't the first one to do that kind of thing. Uh, this guy isn't the first person to do this kind of thing. Um, but apparently they're, they're doing a very good job at it and uh, actually getting some coverage. So this, this concept is now um, kind of being spread around. Yeah. And actually, since I don't have any, you know, PlayStation platforms, maybe I should go and watch those, those episodes. Cause uh, maybe. Or when we're living in the cities, I could probably talk with Helena and she'd be willing to lend her, lend us her PS3. Maybe, yeah. Or Ryan. Or Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan has a PS3. Oh, okay. That's why, you know, one of the two games that he ever talks about is Journey. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, so maybe. Because then we can have our own experience. I mean, it it is really hard at some spots. (laughs) It's a good game so far. Um, Uh. All right, I, so I'm I'm stealing this one from Buck. So yeah, more more sad, well, sad-ish stuff because it's breaking up some GamerGate stuff. So GamerGate was having a big gathering in Washington D.C. and that was actually broken up by a bomb threat. Yeah, I don't think it was like a huge, huge gathering because it was in a restaurant, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. There were there were a couple of um, uh, let's see, two prominent figures from from the movement. Um, that were there actually to speak. Um, oh, so yeah, there was there was a threat that says I have multiple bombs planted around the area. Um, hashtag Gamergate in DC is being held in. If hashtag Gamergate in DC is not evacuated within the next hour, it will detonate. So it was to be the first official detonator or not detonator get together for um, for Gamergate, but yeah, it was broken up. And and again, I, I'm kind of thankful for it just because we don't like Gamergate much but at the same time it's also nobody deserves a bomb threat nobody deserves a bomb threat violence is never good and if anything it makes them look right because it makes us look scared yeah so so let's talk about like a cheerful game I bet you that Broken Age Act 2 doesn't have any bombs in it uh (laughs) actually it does (laughs) welcome to the depression show (laughs) 
So uh, just to get this out of the way, if you haven't played the first act all the way through, uh, this is going to be spoilers until the end of the show, probably. Well, uh, then I'm going to step away. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's avoid let's avoid spoilers even from the first act as much as we can because um, yeah, let's, I haven't played it yet. Yeah, let's take the the game as a whole uh, and kind of you know because like it, it it wouldn't make sense for somebody who has been waiting it to see how good the second act is to not care about spoilers for the first act. Okay, that's going to be very, very hard. I know. I'll tell you I what, know. I will turn off my mic and turn down the audio on this thing, and that way you guys can talk whatever you want and just ping but, me when you're done. Right, but you're not the only person who's listening to this show. I hope. <laughs> Hopefully. Hi, Tanushri. <laughs> so, anyway, let's get to this. So... The first act came out in January of last year, and you even had me on your show to talk about it. Yep. So uh, I had mentioned that uh, you know pretty much all of the puzzles uh, were very easy to get, that there were very obvious solutions to them. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, not so much in the second act. This pretty much throws the book at you. <laughs> uh, would you not agree? Yeah, no, on... Uh, so. On Shay's end, there aren't very many like obstacles to to doing things uh, at first. You know, you have a lot of freedom to walk around and and pick up a lot of items. I wasn't really yes. sure what to do with most of the items, but on yes, Vela's end, on Vela's end, I was like stuck almost immediately. Yes, uh, the yeah Shay's story in the second half is very uh, non-linear, uh, mm-hmm. whereas Vela's is very linear by comparison. Uh, although you do get to fan out uh, pretty much after you open the door. Yep. Which, once you get to the second act for a while, you'll know what that door is. Uh, <laughs> well, even even in the first act, I, I imagine that you'd figure it out pretty fast. Um, but uh, the characters in the second act... Um, let's see, trying to keep without spoilers... Uh, I'm not sure if this would be quite spoilerific, but pretty much everything I thought about who characters were turned out to be a lie. Yeah, and what like what their motivations were and stuff. Uh, except the uh, wolf guy, um, he was pretty much what I thought he would be, and it turns out that Shay is the bad guy, or at least <laughs> an ex- or at least an accessory to the bad guy. Right. So and uh, you know it doesn't really doesn't really doesn't really hit you uh, like what Shay did until the second act. So as as um, Shay kind of went back and retraced uh, Vela's steps, though, I also kind of realized all of a sudden that you know a lot of the stuff that Vela did in the first act was kind of like uncalled for and you know borderline violent, (laughs) Um, rather destructive for for sure. Well, yeah, Death Ray, hello. <laughs> but I mean, even even before that, you know, like uh, putting a hole in somebody's roof and destroying, you know, a, a part of a floating town, you know, no big deal. Well, I mean, the latter was arguably an accident. Uh, uh, like, like the actual ladder. Um, I definitely knew what I was going for when I performed that action. So... Uh, another thing is that uh, 
kind of the uh, suspension of disbelief kind of shattered uh, almost immediately, uh, at least in the second act. But that's because I didn't really know what was going on. So uh, for Shay in the second act, you come up to a guy uh, and you cannot tell what he is saying. <laughs> but, but you know, he's still, you know, human and stuff, but you can't understand what he's saying. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm in a foreign land. I can't really understand, like, you know, who's, you know, like what everyone's saying. And uh, stand by for garbage collection. So, well, garbage collection is going on. Um, do you as the player, Andrew, do you remember why he can't speak? Yes. Okay. And I'm not going to tell it to you. Right. No, I, I, I remember as well. Because I went uh, and played through the first act again right before playing through the second act. So, uh and then uh, Shay needs to look for some very specific items, you know, about, you know, repairing electronics and stuff. And, uh, you know, and like uh, getting like a hyper, con- like a superconductor hyper cam or something. Something gyroscopic, something, something. Yeah. Uh, so looking around and like everyone's like, no, what's that? And like for electronics, like no one like freaks out about it you know, apparently people know what these things are. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wait a moment. Something's really fishy here. And then you play through Vela's side and then you know what's really going on. You know, like the, the curtain, you know, like you actually know what's going on behind the curtain. It's a big curtain. Yes. And a very elaborate and uh, questionable utility. I, I've gotten just far enough to get like hints of some um, really weird eugenics stuff going on, and I'm like, okay, Tim Schafer, what are you going for here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure. Did is uh, Tim actually on the writing credits for this? I think so, because uh, well, I've been so I've been also watching through the uh, the um, documentary that they've been putting out like month by month. Over the yeah, I, I have not been watching those, and I've been waiting until I actually finish the mm-hmm. game to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he was in coming up with like the initial ideas for the game and everything. So I assume that he's part of the writing team. So at least you know, like executive producer or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this this game is you know, like really weird. And, you know, it's all about growing up and, you know, I guess <laughs> it's like trying to, trying to, you know, recapture some of that, you know, as a kid, you think the world is like this, but when you grow up, the world is not like this. It, and it's like totally the opposite thing. And I'm like, wait, that never really happened to me. Like I generally, like I sort of have an engineering mindset so even like when I was a kid, like I was just started to figure things out, like even before I got to be a teenager. Yeah, I don't remember like growing up and suddenly realizing that our world is based on eugenics. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, anyway. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm going through that realization right now. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, this it's kind of a reversal of pretty much everything in the first act. Mm-hmm. So, uh, would you like to say anything else about this? Yeah, I mean, as, in terms of like reversals, um, I totally thought that like the the big reveal at the end of Act One was like shocking, and then like 
And then all of the stuff that they threw at you in, in Act Two, it's like, wait, 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 what, what, what? what? I thought, what? <laughs> you know, even yeah. even with the big reveal, turns out I knew nothing. Yeah, and like I was sort of thinking that like there might have been some time travel involved, uh, mm. which which really paid off when uh, Shay met the one guy, the, his his uh, self from the from the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or, or at least what he, what they yeah. thought was each other. <laughs> that was so and, amusing. Yeah, and then, and then he's like, "Wait, I was never called that." <laughs> like, wait, you're not me. That was a, that was a pretty good scene. Yeah, yeah, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I did start off with Shay, um, or at least like did not progress any for Vela at first so that was like one of my first moments in fact i think i even talked to that guy was like the first guy i talked to as shay uh before going down and meeting that other guy oh okay yeah so and then and then yeah while i'm talking and then dad runs in and he's like oh it it went away (laughs) oops so i think my favorite character is still uh you know, Will Wheaton's lumberjack. <laughs> yeah. The hipster lumberjack. He's just the best. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his new occupation. Yep. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wait, I can only do it with these things. Sorry, yeah. man. <laughs> so uh, have have you made any use of him yet? Um... Uh, not really no he was one of the people who i tried to give a snake to and uh <laughs> and he was just like Dude, what do i need a snake for you know <laughs> wow um i didn't actually think about using the snake on anyone else other than what it was intended for <laughs> because because i knew i needed that snake for something mm-hmm. but, I, I mean i i was just having fun with it like <laughs> yeah because i I just could not figure out how to acquire it. <laughs> Turns out so, reading the uh, the list of achievements is good for something, even when you don't get the achievement that you think you're going to get. Yeah, and uh, that I have not looked at the the achievement list for this. So, mm-hmm. so I uh, I looked at it um, when like the day before Act Two came out, you know, and I was like, okay, I should probably play through Act One again just to see. You know, so I can refresh my memory and stuff. It won't take long. And uh, and then I noticed that they had achievements. And so I was like, oh, look, I can, you know, look, look at some of the achievements from Act 1 and, like, see, you know, maximize the number of these that I can unlock. Well, it turns out you can't unlock any of them until Act 2 actually released, which is when they put in the triggers, I think, for the, you know, in the game. Yeah. You know, being a huge code update all at once, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which was kind of strange that I, on purpose, played through the first act, like, last weekend. Uh-huh. And then and then Tim Schafer's like, yeah, you probably want to play through the first act before doing the second act, just to, like, refresh your memory. And I'm like, uh, dude, I just did that. Great minds, you know. So, um, I haven't encountered any bugs in doing so. There was actually a weird one that I... Uh, saw it in Act One, where like occasionally Shay's mouth wouldn't follow his face properly when he like turned his head. <laughs> so sometimes he was like talking out of his cheek, and it was just like it, it was really awkward to look at. 
<laughs> wow. I haven't even seen that in Act 2 yet, but yeah. Maybe they got rid of that along with everything, you know, in the big update. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say the most difficult puzzle I've come across is definitely opening up that door. The first one for Vela? Um, or, oh, no, oh, the the one that you are actually uh, maliciously locked in a room? Uh, yeah, that one. Got it, yeah. Which um, you were sort of maliciously locked out of, like, up until then. <laughs> you just can't win in this game. Yeah. Well, I assume that eventually you can. So, and just for reference, I have not actually completed uh, Act 2 yet, although I'm very close. Yeah, you're definitely a lot farther than I am. Yeah. Um, without spoiling much, uh, like, I'm... I'm, I've played through a little bit after there's been a collision. Okay. So I, I do know like one or two things that are coming up in the game because uh, I went and got the, the new tracks for the soundtrack as well uh, yeah. and added those to my library. And so inevitably I read the titles for those and I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, I also have that, but I haven't really like take I haven't really taken the moment to actually stare at those. Mm. So and if you recall I was uh I got into this because of the uh, humble bu- humble double fine bundle. Oh yeah. Uh so uh like I'm you know watching all the documentary well will be watching the documentaries from there. Um so yeah. So all in all now that the second act is out um do you think that it's worth people playing um and and how much money you'd say it's worth uh let's see i think the value would be approximately 30 to 35 dollars okay uh depending on how much you like uh, point and click adventure games uh which you know i guess for me it's sort of like a uh like a nice you know you know walk in the past i guess so um, and also counting the fact that I, you know, I w- I didn't hate the guy, but I was not a Tim Schafer fan just for lack of games from him. Mm. Um, so yeah, that double fine bundle there was pretty much the first Tim Schafer games that I've ever got. Yeah, I, I was uh, actually really, really appreciative of the first half of the game's like um, lack of difficult puzzles. Because that's not really what I what I came into the game looking for, you know. I was just kind of looking for a good story and and some pretty art and stuff. Um, and so the the second half actually has been quite frustrating for me. And um, I, for the for that first door, uh, you know, that you have to open for Vela, like I actually broke down and looked at a a, a guide to how to open it. I couldn't believe I was doing that for the first puzzle of you know of of her story. Um, and I got really, really mad when I realized that the thing that I had been clicking on was exactly what I needed to be clicking on. I was just doing it on like the wrong part of it. <laughs> yeah. Is, I, I was like, that's why, <laughs> why is that to make a difference? And, uh, you know, like when Vela's, you know, going through the transporters and she's noticing, uh, changes, let's yeah. just say, I'm like, okay, this is weird. And then, like, I go up to the door and try to mess with it. Then I'm like, 
Oh, that's why. Okay, where are all of these? I need to go through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, which you know, uh, the first, the first few parts of that puzzle, I kind of like sailed through. The last part of that puzzle was very difficult, and I actually uh, looked up on YouTube, like yeah, through it. Yeah, yeah. The the part where you have to have information. Uh, yes, where you have to like deduce like sizes and stuff and some yeah and some of the stuff i don't think that you could even that you didn't you didn't have a chance of of actually knowing the information you just kind of had to like guess based yeah. on overall context and and it got so bad that it immediately like transported her to like another place what yeah like i failed that last part so many times oh boy <laughs> That I actually, you know, got to the point where Vela actually, you know, went to another part of the ship. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't fail that many times. So, yeah. Um, all in all, it's, you know, a decent game, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think that it's really a must play unless, I mean, unless the stuff that I haven't found out yet about, you know, the, the secrets in the story turn out to be like really, really compelling. Um, I can't see this being like a game that I'm going to run up to people and be like, have you played broken age? (laughs) Well, I mean, depending on how it ends, it, mm, let's see. I almost was going to say it it would probably be better than mass effect. Uh, but it's definitely up there in terms of story quality. Yeah. I'm still just really confused right now. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's clouding my, my uh, opinion of it right now. So, and then, uh, let's see, like, you have a broken robot in your inventory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, later on, like, the uh, the things that you can do with, uh, you know, robots and stuff get kind of interesting. And... You know, unfortunately, it so happens that you do actually have to share information between the characters. Like, you know, for oh, instance, so for instance, metagaming. for instance, the solution to Shay's puzzle is something that Vela can see. Okay. And vice versa. So, like, you know, especially the part where I'm at, there's definitely some, you know, cooperation that must happen between them. Yeah. So Even do though. Keep it- that- do keep that in mind. In universe, that's not really possible, but you, the player, are able to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, Vela has to do one thing, Shay has to do another at that exact time. Oh. Like, and back and forth. Yeah, it gets kind of hairy like that. Okay. So, uh, that's Broken Age, uh, all in all, including X1 and 2. Um, the other big thing that that we want to review this weekend is uh, age of Ultron. Cause that's a, a big nerdy movie. Um, Which I, I, I probably will be seeing soon. Okay. Yeah. But neither of you have seen it yet. Right. I don't think that he is listening to us. <laughs> let me, let me ping him. Uh, where is he in my chat? There he is. Heard something. <laughs> hey there. I'm back. Sorry for Welcome the all back. sorry for the all caps. Um, so yeah, I'm about to I'm about to tell everybody about Age of Ultron. Well, um, I can join in as well because I went and saw that on Friday. Oh, good, cool, awesome. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. Right. So, uh, so you know, but we're we're allowed to do spoilers from the first half of the movie, right? Right, Andrew. <laughs> That's okay. 
<laughs> Just Only so long I as hate you so much. Avengers movie. Spoilers, what, what? Of the first Avengers movie. That's oh, yeah, I mean, right? that's two or three years old now, so yeah, I, we can spoil that. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, So, I mean, overall, before we get into, like, the nitty-gritties of, of the movie, um, I definitely didn't think that it was, like... Uh, it it was nowhere near like the best thing that that Marvel has put it out for their cinematic universe. Um, no, and and I'd say you know like if people you know people who aren't like invested in seeing everything that that's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like uh, this isn't really this isn't really necessary to go and see. Um, you know, but like. Uh, movies like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, you know, are just phenomenal on their own, even even without the connections to the rest of the universe. And with the new characters introduced, it's kind of important to understand. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, so so the the two characters that were introduced that I actually kind of resonated with were the Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver. Mm. Um. And I think, you know, they really worked because they were there from the beginning and they, they've been hinted at actually since, uh, um, throughout Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I knew that they were coming up. Um, but I mean, it's still not necessarily entirely perfect as to what's in the comic books because in the comic books, they're actually, um, Magneto's kids. Right. But we, but we can't have any of the X-Men stuff in, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Fox owns all of that. So yeah, Quicksilver and uh, Red Scarlet Scarlet Witch are the only ones who can show up in the MCU. And also, stop stop implying that things are like inferior just because they're different from the comic universe. But it's not like the books; it's worse. (laughs) Like, just accept that they've made these into different universes and and move on. (laughs) Uh, There's some stuff which I can't really get over. Like what? Okay. Like the Mandarin from, <laughs> from Iron, Iron Man, Man 3. 3. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't like that movie for a lot of other reasons as well. Um, but, but no, let's talk about Age of Ultron. Um, yeah. So I really, really liked, uh, you know, like the first half of the movie or so. Um, you know, it did, it, like, it was, it was a lot of fun. It, we got to see, you know, some, like some good battles and then some good, uh, you know, the heroes just kind of hanging out and having a good time. And we got some more characterization for Hawkeye in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really important because we've basically not seen anything of him prior to this, you know, like he was, he was in a couple of scenes in Thor and then he was mind controlled for most of the Avengers. Yep. And we also got some more stuff from Natasha as well. Yep. Yep. But she, she at least prior to this has had, you know, like the uh, Winter Soldier. She was a prominent character yeah. Um, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, no, those two characters definitely got a bit more. Um, one one character that I didn't think it made any sense to have in the movie at all was um, the Vision. Because they introduced him in like the last quarter of the movie. And it was like everything that he did could have been done by a different character you know he wasn't necessary for the the resolution of the plot he hardly ever says anything you know he has like 10 lines in the whole movie um and it's just like from from the movie's perspective it i was i didn't think that it made any sense to have him in there at all i mean in some ways it was 
Yes and no, because he was the foil to Ultron in the yeah, sense but they that they didn't really use him that way. You know, like if 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 he had had more of a philosophical battle with Ultron, sure, but like they they barely talked. They just kind of fought, sort of. Yeah, but I mean, how many people are going to go to a movie theater to see a movie about two people debating? I'm raising my hand right now. You can't see it, <laughs> but I am. However, you are not the typical American. No, but I'm I'm bringing my critique to the movie. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Doesn't count. No, kidding. Um, I mean, I I still think that he was important to have in there, in part because revealed one of the one of the one of the Infinity Stones. Infinity Stones. Right. Yeah, and and actually, that's like the only um, connection to the wider universe that I think this movie actually, you know, that's the only thing that this movie actually added to the wider universe. You know, like. Um, the the threat that they present in the movie was kind of self-contained. Um, you know, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to have an effect on, on any other movies. Um, you know, it's not like the winter soldier where the, the stuff that happened in the movie had an immediate impact in agents of shield uh, and changed like everything about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it's, it's just kind of going to be, uh, a oh, there was like you know some destruction that happened in this area of the world. Somebody's gonna have to clean it up, I guess, but they probably won't show that in anything else. <laughs> yeah, probably. At least that's the hope, anyhow. Yeah, I was I was really confused by the at right at the end. Um, you know they they kind of like put together this this junior Avengers team. Um, of a bunch of characters who you know we've seen most of them throughout um you know they've been kind of the the b characters uh in a lot of the movies and now they're forming a team um but i don't think that they you know because we know what all of the movies are that are coming up in the tv shows and stuff they've announced what all of that stuff is and i don't know where they're going to show up <laughs> in the what future the junior avengers team they're, it's not actually called the junior avengers i think they were called like the new avengers or whatever but you know they um they just briefly showed like these five characters who previously had just kind of been hanging out every once in a while interacting with um you know the avengers individually but now they're going to kind of form their own team i see i must have missed that did you i did you not uh see like in that in that compound that they built there was uh you know the vision and red uh, scarlet witch and uh um the patriot and um the hawk or falcon falcon he's called falcon yeah, they were all like yeah. standing there looking cool in a pose. Yeah, no, I saw all of them, but I thought that they were just being added to the ranks of the Avengers. Mm, I don't think so. And I mean, there are definitely multiple Avengers groups. Like, right? Yeah, that is that is not something that is debated at all. But I don't know. But yeah, it's it's like it's not something that uh, that they've kind of indicated is is coming up kind of thing, you know, because like we know that the the defenders are going to be formed once all of the Netflix shows have uh, have happened individually. Um, so that'll be a team. But I wasn't seeing this one coming. <laughs> Wait, what are all the Netflix shows? Um, so there's the Daredevil and then there's going to be um, a.k.a. What's-Her-Face Jones and um, there's Luke something or other. Yeah. So sort of the anti-hero team. 
Yeah, they're they're the ones who are going to be doing more of the like fighting normal human crime on Earth. Okay. Kinds of things, yeah. Rather than trying to fight lots of big uh, supervillain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a feeling they'll mostly be going up against like the Kingpin. Oh, there we go. So AKA Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. Cage. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, yeah. After Daredevil, um. I mean that the Daredevil struggling with the Kingpin was the entire plot of the first season of Daredevil. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they are, that they won't bring the Kingpin back for anything in the future, but um, you know, I wonder if they'll interact with the Punisher at all. I have no idea who that is. Uh, he's the guy that runs around with a skull on his chest. He's he's an... oh the guy who just uses guns. Yep, but still like manages to kill really powerful people for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But again, okay. he's mainly trying to kill, kill who he considers to be evil. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's also some of the superheroes. Right. right. Marvel Universe. He's, he's an anti-hero. I guess the, uh, the only barrier that I can think of to that is if he's uh, mainly, you know, an X-Man um, character. No, not at all. No. no? Okay. Cause the only comic that I've read with him in it was an X-Men comic. Daredevil and Spider-Man are the two that he pops up in the most. Okay. So yeah, that's a possibility. Um, to my knowledge, anyway. Let's see. But yeah, I mean, um, Age of Ultron, it, it did have, you know, it had a lot of good laughs, a lot of good individual lines. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was, I thought that it was going to be a much darker movie than it actually ended up being, because Joss Whedon had, had expressed after the original Avengers that he, you know, he kind of regretted it just being like, this this um you know just kind of joke after joke comedy yeah uh movie um so he you know he's expressed the desire to have uh some characters lose you know actually permanently lose things that were important to them um and i didn't i mean it didn't really that didn't really happen in the movie um you know we, we'd be like i wonder if that, that was his choice or the editor's choice Maybe yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of wish that uh, that it had been a bit a bit darker. You know, like it didn't it didn't feel like the stakes were were there personally. You know, like obviously there was oh, it's going to destroy the world if we don't succeed here. Um, but it it never actually felt like they were in danger of not succeeding. Mm. You know, um, I mean they kind kind of did. Um, and I mean, part of that was the visions doing in early fixing that was the visions doing was because of the whole, um, internet thing and the ability for the internet to go anywhere. Right. And Ultron being essentially a program, he was able to upload himself into just about anything. And the vision actually went and cut him off from that. Mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. So the vision made him vulnerable. I'm still not clear on why that didn't also just kind of erase Ultron's, um, mind from all of the you know minions that he had and from his own physical body uh and i don't know yeah like realistically the fight should have been just over right there <laughs> yeah. i don't know i mean vision's fairly s- strong as a character anyways um so the thing that i've been most excited about in the marvel cinematic universe um that you know and that they've been clearly leading up to is thanos getting his infinity gauntlet and just you know wrecking everything i'm i'm looking forward to that a lot and i'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen it might be in like guardians of the galaxy 2 or something like that 
Um, but the the hints to that event happening are building up good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that Infinity Gauntlet is just a tad bit scary. Uh, and I mean, in general, Thanos is really scary. Though he has been defeated in some rather silly ways. He was arrested please, once. Please tell me that Squirrel Girl beat him once. Yes. She has to. Yes! <laughs> she beat him one-on-one. We need to have a Squirrel Girl movie. It needs to happen. I mean, the entire thing would just be... Um, it, it would have to be a comedy. There's no way that that would ha- be able to be taken... Yeah. There's no Take way that... seriously? That, yeah. No. <laughs> it could be good, though. Yes. I I would enjoy it. I bet <laughs> I would too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably gonna watch uh, Age of Ultron again um, because I like. I know that there are a few things that I that I missed while watching it the first time. Um, you know, like little details and. Um, but like, I don't. I mean, if if you're not super invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I I don't really think that this is like a, a must see movie. No, I mean, it, it was a fun film on its own. It's worth going and seeing. It's yeah. just not something that I would say, you must go and see it. Right. Yeah. So it's worth it, but it's not It's not imperative. Yeah. Um. So, I guess, yeah, $7 movie tick, ticket. Does that seem reasonable? Uh, yeah. Seven yeah. bucks would be good. Cool. Um. So that's about all that we have uh, for this week. Hopefully... Um, Next week we'll have the Talos Principle for review. That'll be exciting. Uh, and I have no idea what I'll play. Maybe Game of Thrones. Maybe. Maybe Life is Strange. I've been saying that I'll play those for like three months now. <laughs> Still haven't played them. Uh, so see, meanwhile, after I finish, uh, you know, Broken Age, I'll probably make a blog post about it. Yep. And maybe Machinarium because I played through that maybe about two weeks ago. Kind of oh, not. is that another uh, point-and-click adventure? Game? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a rather old one, I think, like two thousand nine ish. And like I've you know played it through like maybe three times or something. So, um, and uh, maybe after that, I'll probably make my way through Borderlands, the pre-sequel again. Mm-hmm. I'm about twenty-two ish hours into it, so. I've already accomplished the main objective like that was obvious at the beginning of the game. Um, but there's apparently still other things to do like in the main quest. Hmm. So I'm not exactly sure how that will, uh, uh, you know, figure out, but it's pretty clearly established why Jack hates the uh, vault hunters as he does. Okay. So, you know, it's sort of like going through explaining that and, you know, the reasons that the Vault Hunters hate Jack also. Uh, so uh, I probably won't be on again for a while, uh, but The Witcher 3 is supposedly is going to come out on the 19th. Uh, so I have uh, bought that on uh, GOG. So I'll be playing through that. Um, I assume that you've played through the first two already, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So, and I believe I played through the second one last year. So it was one of those games where I'm like, yeah, I'll play it through this summer. And then like actually got around to it two years later. Yeah. 
I know how uh, that goes. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been 8-Bit. I'm Ian Buck. And I'm Ian Deck. And I'm Andrew Bailey. Which way to swipe? Oh, hi, Fringe. Hi. Wait, is this the Fringe? It's always is this the fringe. fringe? No, we didn't start yet. Wait, I I thought this was the show. This is the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for getting that. Yeah, I, I listened to like a minute of it, and then I had to go to class. <laughs> yeah, this... I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to like live your life, but you may have made some questionable choices today. Only today. <laughs> I slept until one. Well, that's okay. That, good. That's a first questionable choice. No, that's good. Sleep is good. After mm. a busy night, can can we just call the fringes to the innuendo show as Decker needs food show? <laughs> you know, it's too bad that we don't have like any shows that can tell us what all went on at at the build conference. Nothing. Such a shame. Nothing happened. I'm not even sure if Microsoft was there. I, I, in fact, I don't think they were. I think it was um, Google and Apple. Yeah. yeah, that's not far off. Yeah, it isn't far <laughs> off actually. So Matt should be showing up pretty soon, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't heard from Matt all day, but I wouldn't be surprised if you did. <laughs> what? Uh, that's the noise made last episode. Oh!